You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Brandon Blewett. And I'm Abe Shapiro. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, August 14th, 2023. Later in the program, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin provides a report on an ordinance that allows Bloomington Transit to expand its coverage into Monroe County. More in today's feature report. Gender-affirming care saves lives. If trans kids know that they're trans and they have to live as a gender that isn't their gender, it slowly kills them, if not quickly. That's Phoenix Rang from a new organization called Protect Our People, advocating for Hoosier transgender equality. New Indiana laws are making it harder for trans youth to access gender-affirming care, and Protect Our People is trying to help those kids. Learn more later in the show on a new episode of Activate featuring real people working for positive change in our community. But first, your daily headlines. The body of a man was recovered from Monroe Lake on Sunday afternoon. According to the Indiana Department of Natural Resources, emergency services were dispatched to Moores Creek after a man went under the water and never resurfaced. 66-year-old Paul Bossler was recovered by Indiana Conservation Officers with the assistance of the Monroe County Dive Team. According to a news release from the DNR, life-saving measures were taken, but Bossler was pronounced dead after being taken to IU Health Bloomington Hospital. Witnesses say that Bossler jumped off a boat to swim and never resurfaced. The DNR release states that no life jackets were used at the time of the incident. This marks the second body recovered from Monroe Lake in two days. On Saturday, Rajesh Kumar, a 40-year-old man from New York, was pronounced dead at the scene after his body was recovered from the lake. The DNR said that Kumar was also not wearing a life jacket. During the August 9th meeting of the Monroe County Board of Commissioners, Monroe County Health Administrator Lori Kelly gave an update on the health department. Uh, Just a few updates this morning. So recently, the CDC approved a new vaccine for infants who are at increased risk of illness due to RSV. Um, RSV vaccines for adults 60 and older are also approved. Um, Individuals should speak with their provider to determine their individual needs. Um, We are currently expecting those vaccines to be available in the fall. Um, In addition, the Indiana Department of Health will begin shipping flu vaccines um, sometime in early September. We don't have an exact date at this time. And the public health clinic located on Miller Drive is hosting a back-to-school vaccine clinic on Saturday, August 12th, from 8 to 11 a.m. So this Saturday? This Saturday, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Any idea um, where, well, when the RSV vaccines will be available? Um, In the fall, so uh, September we're looking at around that, yeah. So uh, around the same time that we're expecting uh, the flu. Kelly also presented two new items to the commissioners. The first, tackling COVID-19 immunization funding, and the second, grant funding for local schools, which had been previously discussed in an earlier meeting. So this is a COVID supplemental funding that helps to support our immunization efforts through the public health clinic. Um, So last year, this funding was combined with our Vaccines for Children um, program 
uh, this year they have uh, split this funding into two separate awards. We do not expect this supplemental funding to continue after this award, um, but this is basically just going to help support our personnel in the public health clinic, uh, vaccination outreach, and to work with our emergency preparedness coordinator um, on events to in, in preparation for um, an outbreak. Commissioner Penny Githens asked if the grant would cover vaccines for individuals. Kelly responded. So in the past, um, people could get free vaccines for COVID. Will this grant help to pay for the actual vaccines as well? Uh, this will help to cover that. And the Indiana Department of Health is actually looking at creating a bridge program. Um, I didn't share the specifics of that information with you today because I don't have that information yet, but that is um, going to be something that they are looking at that will um, provide those vaccines for adults and all individuals in need at no cost. Um, but again, I don't have the specifics of that right now. But it's a possibility, so that's great. Yes, they're working on it. <laughs> Fabulous, okay. A motion was then made to approve the funding, and it passed unanimously. Next, the commissioners listened to Lori Kelly present the grant for local school that totaled $12,280. Commissioner Lee Jones shared the Board of Health's recommendations of what to fund and what not to fund in response to the various schools' requests. Bloomington Montessori School, the Board of Health recommends funding 4000 for water bottle filling stations. Covenant Christian School, the Board of Health does not recommend funding the HVAC unit proposal. Harmony School, the Board does not recommend funding the playground equipment. They suggest the Board of Commissioners could consider funding the request for internal communication equipment. Edgewood Schools, the Board of Health does not recommend funding carpet extractors. Seven Oaks Classical Schools, the Board of Health recommends funding 4,000 for water bottle fillers. The commissioners could consider funding disinfecting fogger and HEPA purifiers. St. Charles, the Board of Health recommends funding two AEDs for a total amount of $3,850 and two bleeding kits for a total of 430. They recommend the Board of Commissioners could consider funding trauma bags and go kit. The project school, the Board of Health does not recommend funding the creative play space. Monroe County Community School Corporation, the Board of Health does not recommend funding a nurse educator or consultant fees. Kelly shared the purpose of the grant and what the funding should be focused on. So the purpose of this grant agreement is focused on relationship building with the school liaison within the health department with all of the schools within Monroe County. Um, in addition, the focus of this um, grant is for our school liaison to work with the schools on updating their communicable, communicable disease plans, um, ensuring that children have access to vaccines um, and that their vaccinations are up to date, um, helping to coordinate uh, vision uh, vision, hearing, and dental screening clinics as well, and really just acting as a support system, um, helping to provide CPR training, stop the bleed training, um, those types of wellness programs. Commissioner Githens asked if more schools should apply to receive AEDs and bleed kits. Kelly suggested that the county could purchase them 
and distribute them as well. Lastly, Commissioner Jones asked why the playground equipment was not selected for funding when it could be considered health-oriented. Kelly explained what she thought was the reasoning behind the decision. Yeah, I'm curious about what the reasoning was behind not funding playground equipment or play areas, which I think of as being health-oriented. Mm. <laughs> well, um, I certainly don't want to speak for, our, uh, for, for the Board of Health, but I can give you my perspective on that. And I think that there was concern that there did not want there to be a misconception of that being considered infrastructure? Um, is that emergency preparedness related, um, such as post-COVID um, related relief efforts? Um, it's really a subjective matter. It can be viewed multiple ways, but um, I think they really wanted to make sure that they were focused on the specific terms that we were in the direction that I was given by the Indiana Department of Health. Yeah, when you describe the duties of the liaison, it sounds like it could cover that kind of thing. Uh, yes, so the direction of this grant has evolved and changed. Um, I was not here when the original grant began. From my understanding, um, this original grant was really thought to just be a one-time, one-year grant, um, just to be able to provide a person into the schools to help support the, the schools through um, COVID. And then I think the state started to realize the success um, and the partnership and the relationship building that started to occur. And so then they started changing um, the outlines, the guidelines of the grant to look at a long-term um, program that this could help support with the schools. Um, so it's just changed and evolved over time. Now it is more focused on long-term school support about health and, and wellness. Um, so again, the current grant that we're in now, um, the guidelines within the grant are completely different than what it was originally when this grant started. Um, so I think maybe there might be a little bit of a misconception um, just because of the, the changes that have evolved over time and what the goal of this funding is to be used for. A motion was then made to approve the funding, and it passed unanimously two to nothing. During public comment, Government Relations Manager for the Bloomington Chamber of Commerce Jim Shelton made the commissioners aware of fall training for the county's court-appointed special advocates, or CASA. Good morning, Commissioners. Jim Shelton with the Chamber, but speaking again this morning on behalf of CASA as a court-appointed special advocates. want to make the public aware that CASA's fall training is going to be here soon. It's going to run from September 19th to October 19th. They're trying a, a new format in terms of time to see if it makes it available to more people. So instead of being in the evenings, it's going to be in the mornings on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 to 1. So from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays for basically a month. Uh, we need people to volunteer to serve as uh, advocates for the children who are in the court system because their parents are abu have abused or neglected them. And this is what ACASA does. We're also essentially the eyes and another set of eyes and ears for the court to uh, help the court know what's going on with the children and what's going on with their parents. So if you need more information and you are interested, you can go to MonroeCountyCASA.org 
click on the volunteer link and it'll drop down a menu and you can uh, find a, a bunch of information about details about being a CASA. You can also fill out an application right online if you think you want to apply to be one. Uh, the applications will be due September the 8th, so just about a month. So please think about it. Uh, we've got some 20 children right now that we do not have a volunteer to assign to their case. Thank you for the opportunity to let people know. The next Monroe County Board of Commissioners meeting has been scheduled for Wednesday, August 16th. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin provides a report on an ordinance that allows Bloomington Transit to expand its coverage into Monroe County, taken from the media outlet's Morning Bulletin. Dave Askins has more. The B-Square Bulletin sends out an emailed morning bulletin every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can sign up for the morning bulletin by visiting bsquarebulletin.com and clicking on the tab labeled subscribe. Here's an entry from the edition that was sent on Friday, August 11th, 2023. Countywide Authority for Bloomington Transit. At its Wednesday meeting, Bloomington City Council approved an ordinance that allows Bloomington Transit to serve areas in Monroe County that are outside the city limits. I'm working on pulling together something about this. For detailed background, look for an article on the B-Square's website with the headline, Bloomington Transit Looks to City Council for Legal Authority to Serve Whole County. Here's a fact that I will try to highlight in the article. Bloomington Transit's roughly $4.1 million of annual federal funding is based on a formula involving the population of Monroe County's urban area, as defined by the U.S. Census. The urban area includes some densely populated regions that are not inside the city limits. That means people who live in Monroe County's urban area, but outside Bloomington city limits, help generate federal dollars for Bloomington Transit just because of where they live, namely inside an urban area. Up to now, those residents have not received the benefit of Bloomington Transit service. Based on the B-Square's review of 2020 census data, Compared against the urban area maps, Bloomington County's urban area had a population of around 110,000 compared to Bloomington's population of 79,800. That means about a quarter of the urban area population is made up of non-city residents. Those 30,000 residents generate federal dollars for Bloomington Transit, but up to now they have not received any public transportation service from Bloomington Transit. I don't think we should describe the City Council's ordinance as allowing Bloomington Transit to do something that BT would like to do. I don't think we should describe the City Council's ordinance as allowing Bloomington Transit to do something that Bloomington Transit would like to do. I don't think we should describe the City Council's ordinance as allowing Bloomington Transit to do something that Bloomington Transit would like to do. Rather, the Council has given Bloomington's Public Transit Agency, the ability to do what it should do, 
namely to meet the federal government's apparent expectation that Bloomington Transit provide transit service to all residents of the urban area, not just those inside the city limits. All right, until next week, this has been Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin for WFHB. WFHB News is proud to partner with the Media School at Indiana University to offer internships and volunteer opportunities in broadcast journalism. Last month, the Media School hosted the High School Journalism Institute, drawing hundreds of students from all over the country to Bloomington for a week of intense workshops. WFHB hosted the podcasting workshop, where students produced new episodes of Activate, our weekly feature spotlighting people working for a positive change in our community. Every Monday during the month of August, you get to hear their work. This week's episode was produced by Nishka Mishra. Nishka lives in Mason, Ohio, where she is active in her community as a volunteer. During her week in Bloomington, Nishka produced two episodes of Activate, including this week's episode featuring Phoenix Rang from Protect Our People. This is a new group building a support network for queer and gender-expansive Hoosiers. New Indiana laws are making it harder for trans youth to access gender-affirming care, and Protect Our People is trying to help those kids. That's on a new student-produced episode of Activate, coming your way right now on the WFHB Local News. Welcome to Activate, featuring real people working for positive change in our community, encouraging you to get involved, live your passion, and make a difference. Hi, I'm Phoenix from Protect Our People. Protect Our People is a community network committed to the advancement of Indiana's queer residents of all intersecting identities. Our mission is to provide low barrier access to mutual aid and resources for our most vulnerable people, as well as advocacy to secure a more just future for queer residents of Indiana. I got involved when I started learning about the laws that were coming into place in Indiana. Uh, mostly, most importantly, it was the bills that ban gender-affirming care for trans minors in Indiana, and also the um, Don't Say Gay bill, which outs transgender youth to their parents. And I was like, something needs to be done about this. So at the beginning, we were going to the uh, state house, and a couple of the members presented things in front of the legislators. And from there, we decided that if they're gonna ban gender-affirming care, we need to find a way to get trans kids care out of Indiana. Getting trans kids access to gender-affirming care through transportation. Uh, gender-affirming care saves lives. If trans kids know that they're trans and they have to live as a gender that, they, that isn't their gender, it slowly kills them, if not quickly. If we don't get kids access to gender-affirming care, whose families do support them, but they do not have the money to get them or the means to get them to their care, these trans kids' lives are just going to be that either ended abruptly or just sad. <laughs> They're just gonna have a hard time.
doing daily things. They're going to become depressed. So, Personally, I want other trans people to see me and know that they can have a better life. I want trans people to see that there are people out there who care about them because I'm lucky enough to have a family who loves and supports me and I've always had a good support system. I want them to see that they can do the same things and they can do even better and they can go further than I have. Helping youth is something that's important in my life. It makes me see that people need to see youth differently. Youth don't get a lot of autonomy over themselves in any part of their life. I actually met a mother of a trans child with another organization where I, a, a youth, a queer youth organization in town that I am also a part of. She was um, outside of our meeting space and needed one of the adults to come out and talk to her about her trans kid and he was too afraid to come in and she was telling me about, this was right when the bill had passed, um, she was telling me that he didn't feel like living anymore. He had no means to go on. He was just completely done. And I, we had just started Protect Our People and I told her about it and she came to a meeting and she was telling us about these issues. And she was able to get connected with the social worker and get a letter to get her son to start hormones. And he has now started hormones and he is finally like doing really good. He's happy, he's back to talking to his friends. So that was one of the things that our organization saw and knew that like this is something that we need to do. This is something that is going to help. The biggest thing we need right now is for people to go to our website, protectourpeople.info, and hit the donate button at the top of the page and donate money to us. For people interested in transporting trans folks to gender affirming care, we are looking for volunteers who are interested in being drivers. If you visit our website, protectourpeople.info, you can also go to our Connect With Us tab and sign up for the mailing list and you'll get emails about our general meetings. We have a general meeting once a month, usually at the downtown library, where our steering committee usually runs it and we ask for people to help us with our different committees. We are also looking for people to help volunteer with events and fundraising. I'm Phoenix Rang from Protect Our People, Raising Up Trans Voices. You've been listening to Activate, true stories from friends and neighbors who stand up for what they believe in. Activate is a partnership between WFHB and the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network, working together to build a strong, healthy, and engaged community with production support from students in the media school at Indiana University. You can learn more about volunteer opportunities in the WFHB listening area online at bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. That's bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com.
You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. This episode of Activate was produced by Nishka Mishra as part of the High School Journalism Institute hosted by the Media School at Indiana University. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Brandon Blewett. And I'm Abe Shapiro. Live and learn. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. Stay tuned now for With Good Reason, coming up next on WFHB. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts individual stories and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local longer 